Listeners, welcome back to She Is Becoming. We are your favorite podcast bringing you topics from God's Word from a multi-generational perspective. You can find our episodes on all the major podcast platforms and on the Minnesota Grace Church app and website. And make sure you follow us on Instagram at She's Becoming Podcast to catch our weekly prayer requests and our giveaways. I am your co-host Delaney, and I am here in the studio with my co-host Bev. Hey, Delaney. It's great to see you. Nice to be here. Love and being here. Today, we are back with another episode, um, starting off season three of our podcast series, and we're interviewing um, one of our favorite guests, Laura Speaks the Truth of God's Word with just such boldness. And um, yeah, even if you haven't been through what she has, her wisdom and her passion for Christ is going to inspire you and encourage you today. Um, Laura is an amazing speaker. Um, She's been on our show before, and she was also um, at our Gather Conference um, this past year, and she is the author of the book Transgender to Transformed, and she's recently a newlywed. So welcome back to the show, Laura. We're glad to have you. Laura Perry. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Laura, so you, you were a Laura Perry. What's your last name now? Or is it Laura Perry? It is now Smaltz. Smaltz. Okay, wow. We were just introducing you like Laura Perry. Laura Smaltz. And okay, funny thing. Isn't your husband now? His name is Perry too? Yes. Okay. So it's just, <laughs> God has a sense of humor. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. Yeah, God really does have a sense of humor. He's such an amazing man. I've been so blessed. And oh. Perry, I didn't know this until a couple of years ago that Perry is uh, French for Peter. It's another form of Pierre. And it means rock, and it is so fitting for him. He is just like this steady, steadfast man, um, so strong, and but yet he's like this gentle shepherd. I just, he's God has given me such a gift in this man. Amen. So happy for you. So happy for you, Thank Laura. Thank you. Yeah, that is sounds like it. Just he came straight from heaven for you, custom yeah. made. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, we usually like to start off with a signature question, Laura, and the signature question we like to ask our guests is just reflecting on your life right now. What attribute of God has really been impacting your life? I think it's his uh, trustworthiness, which I, you know, a year or two Mm -hmm. ago, I heard somebody make a distinction between trustworthiness and faithfulness. And it's easier, it's easy to trust in, in God's faithfulness. We know that he will come through, but sometimes it's hard to trust him in the journey. Mm. And it, this has been like the most wonderful season of my life, but there's also been some real challenges, not between Perry and I, but just some other situations going on that's been really difficult. And it was really hard to, to accept this. And God's really asked me to trust him on a new level. You know, and so that, but I'm seeing God's faithfulness in, in a very difficult situation. Oh, I love that trustworthy. That is a very important uh, attribute to me as well, Laura. I just, I treasure that because it tells me so much about who God is. I can trust Him. Amen. Yeah, I can fall back, close my eyes, and fall back on Him. Well, Laura, tell me, you have recently married, as we said. Tell us about that journey coming to the point of marriage. And then also we'd like to hear a little bit, maybe preceding that question would be, give us a little bit of your backstory. Women may have not have heard the first podcast you did where you were giving your story and your journey that you have been on. Yeah, you know, I um, I lived as transgender for about nine years, and I had... Um, there's a number of things I could point to as to why I may have felt that way, you know, but ultimately um, the reality is I, I, I turned away from the Lord 
and I began to believe a lot of lies about myself. I was angry. I was bitter. I was narcissistic. (laughs) But God really got a hold of me during those years, and he pursued me when I didn't want to be pursued. I didn't. I didn't have any interest in the Lord at all, but my parents and other people were praying for me and God did such a miraculous work in my heart and I got radically saved and I was going to be a man of God, but God had other plans. (laughs) I did not plan on ever leaving the transgender lifestyle. I just couldn't even imagine that, but God kept pursuing me and he kept drawing me. And so eventually um, I left the trans lifestyle and I honestly thought I was going to be miserable the rest of my life. I, I really thought um, there's no way I would ever feel like a girl again. I didn't think I'd ever look like a girl again. And, um, I just, I was kind of assigned to just, I'm just going to be miserable until I die. But I knew that it would be okay in heaven eternally. I knew that I would no longer have a sin nature. I knew I'd have a new body. So whatever that looked like in heaven, I, w- I knew that was going to be okay. But I just really had no expectations for any kind of life. And, um, that's so hopeless. That's so hopeless, Laura. It was. Oh, (laughs) I remember you saying at during that transition time, uh, crying, letting go of the, you know, the male clothing. Yeah. Yeah. It was the most painful thing I've ever been through in my life. Honestly, it was just tearing me apart. But I, and I really felt like I could not do it. And I look back and I don't know how I put one foot in front of the other, other than that the Lord carried me. It reminds me of the, you know, there's a painting of Jesus carrying the, the lamb over his shoulders. And that's, yes. I look back and it's like, that's the only way I can explain this is God asked me to do this. And I had such a small amount of faith, but he just carried me one step at a time, one foot in front of the other. I have no idea how I had the strength, but over time, little by little, he kept peeling away the layers and he just, it's like he peeled away the lies peeled away the bitterness, the anger, and helped me to forgive and to let go of everything. And I looked back one day, and it was like, you know, okay, I'm I'm comfortable in people calling me Laura, like it, it, or at least it was less uncomfortable. And then, uh, you know, I, I'm okay being around these other girls, and then I'm feeling loved by these women, and then I'm I'm kind of liking um, these female clothes, and I'm kind of liking being called a girl. And it just it kind of changed over time. This has really been a long journey of the last six years. Um, and then about three years ago, I would say I finally really started embracing being a woman. And I began to love being a woman. And I really began to um, get a lot of healing when I came to First Stone Ministries that I'm now a full-time staff member at in Oklahoma City. And um, I went through the, the group program that we had before I came on staff. And it really brought a lot of healing to me and really... Um, just beginning to love who God created me to be. And I began to pray. And I had for a couple of years, I, I kind of thought that God had a husband for me, but um, I just didn't know what that was going to look like. And I had been through so many bad relationships. I had been so hurt by men. And But I but I began to pray, God, if I can serve you better married, then I pray for a husband. But if I can serve you better single, then I'll stay single. And I just wanted whatever the Lord had for me. And I, I literally asked the Lord to arrange my marriage. I said, I want whoever you want for me. <laughs> Sweet. And uh, which was a little scary, but, and I had such low expectations of God. I honestly thought that God was going to bring me some man that I was just going to have to learn to love. And like, you know, I didn't think I'd have any attraction to. I'd never dated anybody I was attracted to because I always settled for whoever would pay attention to me. 
Mm. And so, um, when, when, and God brought him into my life when I least expected it because I was, I was so lonely about a year before I met him, I was desperate to get married and I was really crying out to the Lord. I was tired of being single. I'd really not been single much in my life. I was always in new relationships. And the Lord took me through a season of really surrendering it and laying it down. And I thought I was going to be single the rest of my life. And I, um, he said, let me be your husband. Mm. You know, there's a verse in Isaiah that says, uh, thy maker will be thy husband. And it just pierced me to the heart when I heard that one day. Mm. And the Lord took me through a season of letting him completely satisfy me, being secure and being single. And so then it was totally out of the blue when he brought Perry into my life. And, uh, you know, when I started dating him, it brought up so much anxiety and fear and brokenness that I hadn't dealt with. And I was so afraid of being hurt again. And it took a long time to trust him. Hmm. And I remember at one point, um, he said, have I not proven to you that I, that I, um, desire you, that I, um, that I want to be with you. And I realized that I was seeing him through the lens of all the men in my past. Hmm. And I had, I, and I kept I kept expecting my feelings to change, and then I would trust him. And I realized that I had to choose to trust him. Wow! You know, because and I that's and, that's hitting home even for me right now. Like, and mm-hmm. and just speaking to all of the single women like out there, like let God be your husband. I mean, He's the only one that's yeah. going to fill you anyway. Like, we can't mm-hmm. expect our husband to fill these voids that are made for God to fill. And so even that is amazing. And I love that you brought up like with this part of the journey that, and we just, we just talked to Mary Cassian and she said something that totally applies to like what you're saying is that, um, sometimes we have to believe that God's word is true before we experience that it's good. And I'm just thinking through your story of womanhood, like sometimes it is just that, you know, you come to Christ and there's this conversion and you start to go in the word before anything else, before you have those feelings of, yeah, I want to be a woman. I want to experience what God says about who I am. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can you go ahead? It's just, you know, um, you, you're right. You want to experience those things, but I, I talk to so many people that it's like, I will trust God when my feelings change. But mm. the opposite. God is always, in so many different areas of our life, asking us to trust him first. And I've, God has really, I asked him, um, I, I don't remember the timing, maybe a year or two ago, probably around the time I met Perry, to teach me about his design for marriage. And I had, God has just blown my mind, the things that he's taught me. But I've realized the verse that talks about how in Ephesians 5, that um, marriage represents the relationship between Christ and the church. And it is so true. There are so many things God has been taking me through with Terry that have been teaching me how this truly represents Christ and the church. And so many of our fears and anxieties as women of what we fear about men, ways we don't trust men are the same ways that we don't trust God. Mm, I love that you brought that up. Can you just talk a little bit more about that? Like, what is God's design for marriage and even for sexuality? And then how has Satan just been um, really attacking this? Like, I feel like in our culture, this has been one of the major things that has been attacked is um, marriage and sexuality. Yeah, I had no idea. This has blown my mind. 
I was so convinced, as, even as a young teenager, that I was never going to be married because I just never felt good enough for men because I'd just been so trashed and dumped and rejected by men all the time. So I just had this belief I was never going to get married. And so I would settle for living with guys. And um, I really, like, I, I knew that it was God's will to be married, but I really thought it was just kind of this legal ceremony and, okay, this is just obeying God. But I had no idea the deep spiritual significance. And I first felt that when we got engaged, I could feel even then there was a much deeper connection in our relationship. Um, but then when we actually got married um, and, um, you know, I realized how different married was from dating and from living with someone, there was never any security in living with someone. There was this constant fear of, um, of being left and um, not being loved. And I realized my, my boss one time, uh, the director of First Term, was telling me that when a woman, when a woman has sex outside of marriage, it actually sows mistrust into her heart because she doesn't realize that God has created the man to protect her. Mm. And whether we like it or not, even if the woman wants sex outside marriage, his role, God has created him to protect her from that. And so it actually, um, I, God, God showed me that it, it's like sex outside of marriage empties our love tank. We always think that it's going to fill us, but it actually empties us. The sex inside of marriage in a proper, healthy marriage committed before the Lord fills the love tank. And it's so opposite of everything I've ever thought about marriage. And there's just this, this deeper spiritual connection. It's like we're truly um, one flesh in a way I've never understood before. And, but yeah, but sort of entwined with the Lord as well. And it's like, um, I don't know. I I haven't quite worked out all the details. God is teaching me so much about all this, but there's something so much more deep about um, being married as opposed to just living with someone. And I really hope that young people that are listening will get that waiting on God's design of this is, so much better to do this God's way and to be able to, because I have had a lot of sexual encounters. I had many partners and there was so much shame. I I leave these encounters feeling so dirty and so used and so guilty. And to be able to be intimate with, um, without feeling any shame, any guilt to be fully accepted. Um, I mean, it was just amazing. And it's like to feel God's blessing on that was a, totally opposite of what I had ever experienced before. Totally new, isn't it? It's new. It's different. It's the Lord smiles upon it. You don't have to hide it. It is something that God, it's his will for you. Yeah. And it's something that was even established like right in Genesis two, like sexuality was established to be God's design for sex was established to be between a man and a woman. We see it in Genesis two twenty four when Adam and Eve become one flesh. And then the next chapter is the fall. And so I think that we don't always yeah. realize that sexuality and marriage and all of these things are just so intricate to the foundation of our faith. And they just have such a unique way of really reflecting who God is. And I'm like, so this is why the enemy attacks it. You know, like this yeah, is why, yeah. because of what it represents and how we showcase um, God through these things. And right. what, what a difference from your previous lifestyle to go into this blessed state of marriage and union with the husband. The contrast has to be huge for you. Yeah. 
it really and I cannot believe the just the difference in it, but but also the healing that God has brought through it. Mm. Um, you know, I I really prayed ahead of time that God would make make me like a virgin again. I had heard from other women this had happened to, so I'm going to encourage anyone that's been in this sin, please uh, stop and get out of that lifestyle. Wait on God. It was so worth waiting on God to to do it His way. I we just went and I went on and on about how better God's way was, but God really did answer my prayer and make me like a virgin again. And I remember even this nervousness on our, our plane ride to Cancun. And like, I, I, I said, like, I've never experienced this before. I feel like this is all brand new. Mm. And I, um, God brought so much healing to my memories. I, one day I realized, I said, you know, it's like my memories have been wiped away of all the sexual sins. Like intellectually, I know they're there, but it's like the memories have been wiped. And I felt made new again and made whole. God is a God of redemption. You, it's Amen. redemption in every area of your life. Laura, you Amen. are an amazing woman. At that, and it's so, I'm so thankful that you're willing to share your journey with listeners and because we need to be real with each other. We need to share these experiences of how God is redeeming those dark places in our lives. Yeah. Amen. And I also didn't have, did not wait for marriage. So I also come from that angle yeah. of knowing the pain of that, like I had an unplanned pregnancy when I was 19. So even the pain from that and the pain that I will, uh, I mean, it was, you know, obviously my son is my greatest joy and blessing, but there's definitely pain that I experienced from living outside of God's design for sex. Like, and so even yeah. just being able to be real about that, that God can redeem it, but you still might have pain, but that he can still redeem that pain and that even who he is, um, is pure. And so I, I love thinking of that word purity because it means that he's without sin. So he's not going to sin against us. And we always, um, yeah, we, we don't think God is trustworthy, but if God is pure, he is trustworthy because he can't sin against us. You know what I mean? And so just this whole concept of, you know, virginity being a representation of God's purity and who Mm. he is as blameless and that we really need um, Jesus to be pure. Otherwise, you know, he couldn't have died on the cross for our sins, but just, and then how God can redeem that, like as us, as imperfect people, how he can redeem that and how Jesus enables that like through the cross. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing, Amen. a beautiful process. So tell me a little bit more about, um, Perry. Now he is, obviously he's a believer. He shared a verse with you at a crucial moment. Um, was that an important piece for you when you were marrying? Yeah, absolutely. Because I, um, I when, when we first met, um, we were just doing a lot of fun things. You know, we were going on this kayaking trip, um, and uh, we were in a life group and a singles group. And I said, God, I need to know that this man can lead me spiritually. And I knew he was a believer, but the Lord really started giving him uh, hunger, and he really began to to show me and. I think he had he had been um, I almost like to cry. He had been pouring into people spiritually for so long in his office. He was leading a Bible study's office, and he was teaching another Bible study to these singles. And um, he's a bivocational music minister, mm. and so he was um, really pursuing the Lord with all his heart. But um, he just had not. He had never had 
a relationship with a woman. He'd been in a horrible marriage before, and uh, he'd never had a woman that cared about his spiritual leadership. And as I began to encourage him, he just, I mean, it just lit a fire under him. And he has been so good at leading me and about, from leading me in prayer and in the word and really being the spiritual leader of our home. And it's, it's just been amazing to watch him just grow in that. Um, and to really be, he's so, like I said earlier, he's so steadfast and he's just, he doesn't let things rattle him. He really has this deep faith and this trust in the Lord. And, uh, you know, I can be very dramatic and very emotional. And I used to apologize for it all the time. And I'm sorry because <laughs> I figured I was just annoying him. I'm like, this man is just going to run away. And he kind of hugged me real tight one time and he said, I can handle your emotions. Oh, <laughs> wow. Just, wow. He just, he's really an amazing man. I just, but, but uh, Laura, you've, you've come back to Christ. Yeah, you've you shared something very important there, a really a, a raw and real testimony of wanting him to lead as the spiritual leader of your home, wanting to yeah. have him have that input in your life. And you know, there are many women who don't want that today. What would you say to them? Right. Oh my goodness. As I have learned to trust the Lord through trusting him, it has been amazing. God is teaching me so much about spiritual authority. God designed the man to be the spiritual leader and to be the authority in the home, not for not to put down women, not to punish women, but for a blessing to be a protection for us. And the more that I have learned to trust Perry, the, the more satisfied I have been. Um, in fact, at, at one point, um, I really the Lord started to um, put on my heart to trust Him more and more. And to let him make decisions. I remember at one point I was talking to him. We were driving somewhere. So I wasn't looking at his face for part of the conversation. I was watching the road. And he was driving. And I was talking about how um, I really believed in submitting to my husband. And I, I looked over at him. And he had tears in his eyes. And I'm like, you know, what? And he said, you're willing to do that? And I said, well, yes, I, I believe that's biblical. And you could see he sat up straighter. He kind of puffed out his chest. <laughs> like you could see him stepping up. And I said, "You realize that will that means you have a much greater responsibility before the Lord." And he said, "Yes, I'm willing to do that. I will lead you." And he had never been encouraged like that. He'd always been so put down in his life, and women had kind of walked over him. And but you could see this man really so excited to lead. And the more that I've trusted him, in fact, God has really put this first on my heart. You know, I was okay at first with trusting my husband, with loving my husband, then respecting my husband. It was kind of this progression, then submitting to my husband. And then God reminded me of the verse where it says, Sarah obeyed Abraham mm. and even called him Lord. Now, they don't call him Lord. We have jokes about that. But <laughs> um, but really learning to obey him and um, and really let him make decisions. And there's been a couple of times where I haven't, and I've actually gotten hurt. I hurt my hand really bad before the wedding because he told me to get some help moving the tables, but I wanted to do it myself. And I actually ended up hurting my hand really bad. <laughs> so I've learned to um, to let him, God has given him wisdom, and to let him make those decisions and to trust the Lord that he's placed him as an authority in my life. And, you know, that doesn't mean... Um, doing that blindly in other words like i'm not going to let him lead me into sin but but trusting the lord 
to let him make those decisions. And honestly, it has been so freeing for me. It has taken a burden off of me and it makes me feel so loved and protected. And I've learned that he makes decisions with my best interest in mind. Yeah. And I love that you brought up that that also comes after, you know, the love and the trust, like it, mm-hmm. and it's something that you allow something that's willing, not something that's forced. Like I, I love that you, right. those words that you were using, because those are the misconceptions that we have about submission and about male leadership is that this is going to be him dominating over me and I'm going to be forced into this position. And, and what you're describing is not that at all. It is a Perry loving you, Perry coming alongside of you, you encouraging him. Like, what a beautiful picture that is. Yeah, that's what I I hope that I can convey this woman. And you're so right. This is not like, you you know, there are ungodly men who are going to treat women horribly and like a doormat. I mean, that's not this. But but a um, truly godly man that is pursuing the Lord with all his heart, that is truly trying to lead his family to the best of his ability and to God's will, God has placed him as an authority over you for protection. But it is a loving thing for God to do. Just like God, God wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust our husband. And the more that, and I've studied God's design of male and female a lot over the last year. And the more that women, and respect is really about trust. It's not, it's not, um, again, it's not about being a doormat. It's about trust. And the more that women respect men, the more that men feel loved, and the more that men will love women in return. And it's a cycle. It's called, there's a book uh, called The Love and Respect Cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it, it talks about this, that men's, men's greatest need is respect, really even over what we would consider love. The way that they feel loved is by respect. Mm-hmm. So true. So, so true. Um, Laura, let's go back to your original story. Uh, you've got such a unique perspective on transgender issues, and I'm just wondering, you know, there could be some parents listening with kids, maybe showing signs of being wanting to be another sex. Whoa. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> what would you say to parents? You know, I. this has been... This was such a difficult journey for my parents, and they had no clue what to do. And I think there are so many parents that are like, I just don't even know what to do. And speaking, the, the majority of parents that I um, that I help in this ministry have um, kids that are either older teenagers or young adults that really, it, it kind of gets to a point where the parent really has no control over the situation. Mm. And I think God often brings things into our life where we realize we have no control. We're yeah. really not in control. And that it's about surrendering to the Lord and saying, and not giving up. You know, I've been accused of telling parents they need to get up, give up. Not at all. This is like Moses's mother, you know, thought she could protect him when there was this mandate to kill all the baby boys and she hit him. She thought, I can protect him. But there was a point where she realized she couldn't save him and she put him in the basket and pushed him into the river and put him into God's hand. Yeah. And I think that's, it's really this, this, letting go and saying, God, this is in your hands. But in the meantime, my parents really began to pursue the Lord with all their heart and really began to surrender to him and allow the Holy Spirit to change them. And they quit focusing on me and all my sin. And they began to let the Lord show them the sin of their own heart. Because even though they'd followed the the Lord for years, they still had a lot of things that the Lord wanted to work on in them. 
And I think it's really easy as parents just to look at everything their child's doing wrong and want to fix them. But in the meantime, what's happening in your own heart? And so that, that's one of the things I really encourage parents is to let the Holy Spirit work in you. Let him draw you even closer to himself on this journey and let him use this situation to draw you so much deeper and so much closer. The Lord promises us that, um, that the trial of our faith that is more precious than gold or silver, though it's refined by fire, will be found under praise and glory and honor at the appearing of Jesus Christ. This is for a greater purpose in us. And we often just want out of our circumstances, but the Lord wants to use these difficult circumstances. Yeah, I love that you brought um, up to the the surrender of Moses's mom and that surrender is actually yeah. not, it's not, not doing nothing. Like we think that when we surrender and when we pray sometimes that we're not really doing anything, but what the, the impact of that to submit something to God's, to God's plan, to God's will, to his authority and know that he is ultimately the one who can make the transformation happen if he chooses to like, that's so huge. I'm really glad that you brought that up. What do you, how do you, so we've talked about parents, like how we, you know, what, what do you do as a parent? Um, if your child is, you know, facing these challenges, how, how would you say I have a four-year-old son? How do you, and like, maybe when do you start to like engage your children about these things? Like, I know for me, like, I want to be a parent that's really honest with my son and I don't want him to like find out things from like TV. Like I want to have like authentic conversations with him and I want him to learn things from me and learn the biblical perspective. Like how would you suggest going about that conversation? Well, I think in any of these conversations, um, to pray and ask the Lord to lead these conversations because God knows what each individual person needs to hear. Years ago, I um, I was sick one weekend, and for an entire weekend, I watched hundreds of testimonies, not kidding, on like videos on YouTube, all walks of life, um, just everything under the sun. And one of the mo- and one of the things I learned about the way God works in people is that everybody was an individual snowflake. God didn't work in anybody's life in the exact same way. So there's not a not a script I can give somebody, mm-hmm. but um, but sometimes there are things that they're dealing with that we don't even know. I started believing lies about my about my mom, about my relationship with her when I was five years old. And it was just lies that the enemy was sowing in my heart and in my life. So I think good questions, asking kids what they think about um, how they um, relate to mom and dad. Um, do you feel loved? Is there, are there ways that we've hurt you? Um, how do you? How do you see yourself compared to your brother or your sister? You know, um, do you you feel like you fit in with the boys or the girls things like that you know questions like that sometimes and just affirming who they are to a young boy affirming that they are so much like their dad um or their brother or whoever you know if they don't have a good male role model in their life i, I this is one thing i think the church really needs to step up in these areas especially with kids Amen. who don't have good role models we need men in the church to be fathers for the fatherless and so finding good male role models and encourage these boys, just for an example, there, there was a documentary um, a couple of years ago called Transhood, and it followed the lives of four individuals. And actually, this it's from HBO. It's not from a Christian perspective at all. But they accidentally tell some truth in this, even <laughs> though they're very pro-trans. And there was this one little boy who was like three or four, um, 
I can't remember how old he was when he first started. He might have even been two. He was really, really young. And they're claiming he's trans and they're, you know, dressing him as a girl and all this stuff. And he just didn't have a very good father figure. The the parents get divorced and the mom and the uh, kids move in with the grandpa. And the grandpa starts affirming this little boy. And you can see this boy just being transformed. And by the end of the show, because they followed these kids for several years, and he is absolutely adamant that he's a boy and he's, you know, running around like a cool little boy wearing cowboy boots or something. I can't remember all the details. <laughs> yeah. But just so obvious the change in this boy from being affirmed by his grandpa was just huge. And that's what these little um, kids need to be affirmed by their same-sex parent or at least by another same-sex uh, role model. There's something so deeply profound that we don't ever under, even understand yet, I don't think, the fullness of why God created us, male and female, other than it represents the gospel, again, of, of Christ and the bride, of the different aspects of God. But for reasons we may not ever understand fully in this life, God created us male and female, and it's, it's deeply tied to our identity. It's the first thing declared over a child, it's a boy or it's a girl, or at least it oh, used to be before all this. You know, all this nonsense of babies and gender-neutral children, this was obvious. And it's the, it's the first thing that is known about a child other than they're human. The first thing that is known about a child is they're male or female. Yeah. I think yeah. it's deeply tied to our identity. It really is. Laura, another one, another topic I wanted to bring up was um, about transgender regrets. I know you talk to a lot of people, and I bet mm-hmm. you have people coming to you um, in similar situations where they are now feeling like they want to leave the transgender life. And, you know, what does that look like? What, does, what have you learned about uh, what happens as time goes on with transgender? Well, you know, the, the regret at first, I think people are very excited and very happy and, oh, this is wonderful. I've talked to so many parents, though, that tell me, you know, because I only had my own perspective, and I think we can sort of um, deceive ourselves for a while. This was funny. I actually looked. Um, I found an old license picture from when I had my name changed, so I was only about a year in the transition, and I thought I was just on cloud nine. I was the happiest I'd ever been in my life. I looked so miserable in this picture. <laughs> like, wow, I'm not as happy as I thought I was. Yeah. And I hear from so many parents that the depression and the anxiety gets worse when these kids start transitioning. But the but a lot of times they're not aware of how miserable they are. And they keep blaming it on I'm not being affirmed or whatever. Um, but the reality is regret starts setting in usually several years later. And when they start realizing that this isn't real, that it hasn't fixed any of the problems. And now I'm on, um, I'm on this, uh, Reddit forum. Of, there's like 36,000 members now, and they're supposed to be, um, just people that are detransitioning or maybe that are questioning their gender. They'll kick anybody off that they think is a troll or somebody else. So it's supposed to be just those people. And there are 36,000 members and it's heartbreaking the stories of these these kids it's mostly really young people and they're saying why didn't the doctors try to stop me why did the psychiatrist just you know give me the green light why did the doctors just start me on hormones why didn't anybody give me any other solution Mm. and it's just heartbreaking to read and there's so much regret and so many of them saying i will never get these body parts back you know i have to live with this the rest of my life i can't i hate looking in the mirror 
And I just read a heartbreaking story after heartbreaking story. And I have ones reaching out to me individually, um, you know, that are just like, how do I even go on with life? If I had a man reach out to me that had had um, a, a vaginoplasty. And so he didn't have male organs anymore. Um, and it just, he's like, what do I do? You know, he knew that he knew that he didn't want to be an, uh, a woman anymore. He knew that he was never going to be a woman. Like, how do I go back to being a man? Oh, oh, the it pain is in that—that that is big time pain. But it also yeah. it is, and it's painful. And I don't, I don't want to undermine that at all. But I, I also am thankful that our womanhood and our manhood is also more than that. That it's Amen. actually defined by God, and so. Amen. We aren't, we're not just people with certain parts. Flesh, flesh. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're, God Amen. has declared who we are before we were even born. And so that, that truth also is, um, I think sweeter too, when you think about it from that yes. way, it's like, we aren't just a bunch of body parts. <laughs> like, right. yeah, that's so true. And that's, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up because that, that is the whole, the beauty of this all. Because we're not we're not Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. We can't because they're telling kids now. Well, you know these girls like if you get a mastectomy now and then you decide later transition's not for you, then you can just get your breast back. I just had two weeks ago. Um, I just had my breast restored, um, but it's not the same. You know, I'm in a whole lot of pain, and you know, I'm I'm grateful for that for this restoration of God that. It's not the same as just exchanging parts, but the putting, um, taking away female parts didn't make me male. Um, making the appearance of female parts doesn't make a male woman. We're so much deeper than that. But even for those who have destroyed their bodies, who have had various surgeries, I've seen God redeem not only my life. Um, and I lived as a woman with, without breasts for, for six years. And then um, I've known men who have just lived without um, without their male genitals, mm-hmm. but God has made them into um, these masculine men. You know, Walt Heyer is a good one. He was in the documentary with me called "In His Image," um, and I know several others. And it's like God can restore and redeem what seems so hopeless, so lost, and so broken, because we are so much more than what our body looks like so much more than what our body parts may say. I love that you're, and just for us listening to you, like your womanhood and being who God has made you to be is just like truly beautiful and inspiring. And what would you say that you have learned um, about God's just amazing design for women that you could just encourage the women who are listening with? Being a woman is all about um, this responsiveness to God. Um, I know Mary Cassian um, talks a lot about this as well, um, but just this, um, this softness and this being, being willing to, to trust God, this um, quietness and this beauty that we can have that really comes from within, that is not this showy, flashy image that is portrayed in the media, but... Um, but about really trusting in God, about, um, about showcasing God's love for women. When we, Because I think in this society, in every society, every culture, there tends to be one of two things. Either 
women are silenced and made to look like doormats and just really put down like they have been in a lot of societies and culture. Or uh, we see the feminist movement where women are really exalted over men and this is big, strong, powerful women and we're not going to let men put us down. And mm-hmm. that also becomes very ugly. It's not, it's not God's design. But God didn't design us to be put down. It's kind of like the woman at the well where she was an outcast and she had to go to the well at the, at the hot part of the day when nobody else was there. And yet Jesus went out of his way to meet her there. Jesus loved and respected and, and exalted women, mm-hmm. you know, um, not as not as more important than men, but e- of equal value. But I think there. Um, but I think we do also need to respect that um, God does have different roles for us, and that's okay. That we can. Um, when I think one of the the biggest things that God has given us is to um, is to help. There's there's a line in In His Image that I love. That I think I think it may even be Mary Cassian that said this. That um, that our role is to help. That we were created to be the helper from His side be his helper to help man achieve what God has called him to do. And whether that's our boss or a pastor or our husband or whatever that may be, um, you know, really learning to trust God in his design of us, but also embracing that as a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Well, Laura, how can our audience, if they would like to get in touch with you, how could they do that? Uh, they can contact me at First Stone Ministries, and they can go to firststone.org. There is a contact page there. Um, they can fill that out and contact me there. Or they can also go to um, my blog at transgender2transformed.com. That's the same as my book title. You can order my book there. That's transgender2transformed.com. And do you have Instagram? I feel like we follow I, you, but do you use it? I I do, but I was going to say, I have not posted to Instagram in quite a while. I, you know, honestly, I, I get overwhelmed by social media, but, um, but yeah, I do have an Instagram account, but it's generally better to contact me on one of those two websites or, um, you can follow me on Facebook. And then tell us just briefly before we go here, a little bit about the ministry that you do. Um, I, I work for First Stone Ministries and we are uh, primarily a biblical counseling and support group ministry. Um, and right now I'm the women's minister intern, so I'm, I'm not yet a counselor, but, um, I, I talk to a lot of people from all over the country and kind of as an, an initial meeting and really trying to point people to the fact that God is, that Jesus Christ is the answer for what they're struggling with and help them kind of get them on a path for healing. Um, sometimes I refer, cause I'm, cause people are reaching out all over the country. So sometimes I'm referring people to local ministries. Um, and then sometimes if they're local here, um, we will help them in house, but we primarily are more local, but we also have lots and lots of resources. We can connect you with groups all over the country. We have parents groups. Um, I know many, many parents prayer groups all over the country and support groups. So, um, please contact us and I would love to get you connected. Mm. Laura, we just are so appreciative of you, your story, your openness, um, your godliness, and your depth of faith, Laura, is so contagious and just gives me such hope mm-hmm. that, you know, mm-hmm. your life has been so transformed and God has redeemed um, those difficult years in your life in such a beautiful way. It should give many others great 
hope. Can I pray for us now before we say goodbye? Let's pray. Absolutely. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this testimony. I pray, Father, that you would use Laura's words to speak to the hearts of many women in so many different ways in so many different areas of their lives. I pray, Father, that we would be women who embrace who you have made us to be, that we would um, seek you with our whole hearts, and that we would look to you as the great Redeemer, whatever area of our life needs redemption, you are capable of that because you are trustworthy, Lord. That's where we started today, thinking about and talking about your trustworthiness. And we just now will say that we trust you, Lord, because you are trustworthy and always in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks for coming on, Laura. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Absolutely. I enjoyed it. 